My name is Keith Beavers, and beets taste like dirt. They taste like nothing else but dirt, and if beets are in anything, that thing tastes like dirt. What's going on, wine lovers? Welcome to Vine Pairs Wine 101 Podcast. My name is Keith Beavers. I am the tastings director of Vine Pair. And how you doing? So we're on this bubbly kick here at Wine 101. And we're going to talk today about a wine called Francia Corta. What? Some people may not know about this wine, but it's a sparkling wine. It's delicious. It's in Italy, and we have to talk about it. Let's pop over to Veneto, Italy, where our sparkling wine sponsor, La Marca Prosecco, is made. It's the land of vineyards, rolling hills, and sprezzatura, which sounds delicious, but really just means effortless style. Like sprezzatura, La Marca is a classic, delicious, and effortless wine because it goes with everything from aperitivo, or appetizer, to zeppole, or an Italian pastry that translates to donut hole in English. Try America's Most Loved Sparkling Wine, La Marca Prosecco, and the other bubblies we talk about. Follow the link in the episode description to bellroom.com. Okay, wine lovers, you got champagne, right? We all know it. Prosecco, we all know it, right? I've done an episode on both. Um, At some point, I'm going to go deeper into champagne, but... If you want to get a nice overview of those wine regions, go ahead and check those episodes out. But the thing is, there's so much more sparkling wine in the world than just those two. It's just that those two are very popular in our market right now. But there are other bubblies just sitting there from around the world just like, hey, what's up? I'm here too. And at some point, we're going to talk about other sparkling wines available outside of Champagne in France. But for today, we're going to talk about sparkling wine in Italy. And we're not going to talk about Prosecco. No, we've already done that, right? So what is, oh, there's a, there's a region in the northern central part of Italy. It's called Lombardia or Lombardy. This region is home to Milan, the largest metropolitan area in Italy. If you're flying into northern Italy to go anywhere, you're flying into Milan. And Lombardia is it's 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 highly populated, about 10 million people. It's a sixth, it's one sixth of the country's population. And it's a this is a very famous place. It's how do I say this? Pliny the Elder is from here. Virgil is from here. Caravaggio is from here. Alessandro Volta is from here. So for a long time, this has been an epicenter of creativity and just kind of a metropolitan life, even before metropolitan lives existed. It was a very privileged and wealthy area. Some of our favorite foods from Italy are from Lombardia, Grana Padano, the cheese, Taleggio, the cheese, Gorgonzola, the cheese, Provolone, the cheese, Marscapone, the cheese, Panatone, the cake, Torone, the candy, and Mostardo, the dessert. And if you were to drive east from Milan, you would end up in a province called Brescia. B-R-E-S-C-I-A. In this province, it's very hilly, and about an hour from Milan is a, a region within Lombardia. 
it's not a province really, and it's not a town. It's an area, and it's called Franciacorta. And the word Franciacorta comes from the Latin term that I will butcher, Franche Cortes. Cortes, or C-U-R-T-E-S, meaning communes, and Franche, F-R-N-C-A-E, meaning exempt from taxes or exempt from duties. So you have a region that is named for the fact that the privileged people in this area do not have to pay taxes, so they just named it that. <laughs> the communes of non-not-paying taxes. Damn. And like many highly populated Italian wine regions throughout history, there has been wine being made here for a very, very long time. I think all the way back to the 8th century A.D. And the reason why I keep that brief is because Franciacorta is not known for that. The, the ancient history is important for, for, front, for this area, but for our purposes in understanding the wines here, What's important to understand is that at some point, this area, Franciacorta, becomes a DOC, the Appalachian, part of the Appalachian system of Italy. And what they do here for a long time is they make um, Bordeaux-style and Burgundian-style wines from international varieties, and they polish it with you know good amount of oak to kind of replicate the, the vibes over there. And I believe that that's part of just the culture of the area. But in, 19, in the 19, late 40s, early 1950s, something very unique happened in the Franciacorta region with the winemaker. And it changed the game for Franciacorta forever. In the 1940s, Guido Berlucchi was a winemaker that was having an issue with a specific kind of wine he was making. It was called his Pinot di Castello. I believe that means it was a Pinot Bianco. And I don't, I guess he was not happy with the results he was getting. So what he decided to do was hire a wine consultant. That's what you do. And he hires a man by the name of Franco Zigliani. And Franco Zigliani looks at the whole thing and says, what if we made the wine sparkling? Whoa. Because at this point, all the wines being made in this region were still wines. There are docu- There is some documentation from the 13th century that there's some sparkling wine was being made. Not sure what that's about, but it, it was since then it wasn't really a part of this region. It was this collaboration that pioneered what would become the sparkling wines of Francia Corta. So in 1955, the pair of them open a winery, the Berlucchi Winery, because Berlucchi had all the resources, and they embarked on an experiment. Let's try to make sparkling wine from the varieties we have and make it so that we may one day be at the level or a competitor of champagne. I don't think that was a major focus, but there was definitely, that eventually became a focus. And it wasn't easy. It took a long time for the wine to, for them to figure out the formula. And it wasn't until 1961 that the first Francia Corta was released into Francia Corta or Lombardia or Milan. They made 3,000 bottles 
of what was now called Pino di Franciacorta. It's no longer Pino di Castello. And that was it. That's how Franciacorta got started. In, 19, in the 1960s, Italy bore itself a new sparkling wine region. Very cool. And in 1967, it becomes a DOC or part of the Appalachian system of Italy. And I sometimes kind of compare this to the, the Meritage movement in California where there was a moment, I think it was in the late 80s and the early 90s, where, where they had this term called Meritage. I, I think it's still around, just not used as much in California, but it was a term used for wines that were specifically a Bordeaux blend. So we were trying to replicate or at least do the blending similar to Bordeaux with our varieties and the way that we wine is made in California, but called it Meritage, giving a nod to the Bordeaux region. And with Francia Corta, as it developed after 1967, it became a DOCG in 1995, which just means there's more rules in place for the wine. We'll get into that in a second. Francia Corta was modeled after closely to Champagne, but the thing is, they took the for, they took the the structure of the requirements in Champagne, but applied them to their region, and it ended up a little bit different. And there's something about Francia Corta that makes it its own, and I'm going to get into that in a second. So let's talk about Francia Corta. It is a method, traditional method. Champagne. So there is a second fermentation in bottle, unlike Prosecco, which is a Charmat method. Again, go check those episodes out for all those details. And where Champagne makes wine from two reds and one white, Franciacorta makes wines with two whites and one red. They employ the Chardonnay variety, just like they do in Champagne. They employ the Pinot Noir variety, just like they do in Champagne, but here they call it Pinot Nero. And instead of Pinot Meunier, the red variety that makes up the third of the trio in Champagne, they use a grape called Pinot Bianco or Pinot Blanc in France. Okay, so you're like, wait, all right. So there's a sparkling wine region in northern central Italy called Francia Corta, and they make sparkling wines that are closely similar to the way Champagne does their thing. So what is it about Francia Corta that's different from that besides the varieties? Well, the flavor. Pinot Noir and Chardonnay definitely add that sort of the, the things they add, sort of the roundness and the depth and stuff like that. Pinot Bianco comes in with like the verve and the, 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 the backbone of the base wine that will eventually be you know, fermented. But the climate here is different than that of Champagne. The summers during the growing season are warm days and cool nights. And... What that does is it brings a little bit more depth in the resulting wines because there's just a little bit more residual sugar left over after the fermentation process. And what that does is that allows the winemakers to lower the liqueur de triage, which is the, the liqueur, we have an episode on that, that goes in to help the second fermentation start. That's a lower sugar content than they do in other places like Champagne. And the result is a sparkling wine that has less atmospheric pressure than those of Champagne, where Champagne has, I think, six bars. I think uh, Francia Corta has 
five or maybe four. I think four is actually five. Well, that, that, that's technical stuff. But you'll notice when you're drinking Francia Corta, the, 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 the pressure is softer. And the, the, the flavors, the Francia Corta, just like champagne, has a very diverse flavor and texture profile depending on the varieties they're using in any given winery. But there is this sort of sunny, honeyed depth to, to, to Francia Corta. It doesn't have the, as it, there is brioche and you get some of that sort of, you know, yeastiness to it, but it, there's a little bit more warmth in Francia Corta wines. Not as angular as you would get in Champagne. I mean, they can get angular, but in a very calm, different way. And we'll talk about that in a second. Because whereas in France, they have the term Blanc de Blanc, which is sparkling wine made from white wine grapes only, which would basically Chardonnay. In Francia Corta, they don't call it Blanc de Blanc. They have a really cool word for their sparkling wines they make only from white grapes. Satin. S-A-T-E-N with an accent over the E. Satin which means silk in Italian. And believe me when I tell you, these are some of the silkiest sparkling wines from Chardonnay you're going to have. They're soft. They're, they're, they're calm, but they're powerful. And yes, they are silky. When you have a lower atmosphere of pressure, even one or two bars, you're going to start noticing a softness. And that's what's so cool about these wines. I believe the Satin might even have a lower uh, atmospheric pressure than um, the other ones, but I'm not really sure. That's not really that important because you're going to just enjoy the wine, and that's what's important. But what's really cool is this zero dosage category in sparkling wine, which is becoming, it be, it's, over the past 10 years, has become very popular. Um, Brut Nature, it's, that's all in the sparkling wine episode as well. And there are sparkling wine. I mean, Champagne's famous for it. They don't always, they can't do it every year, the zero dosage because of their climate. But because of the climate of Francia Corta, they can do a zero dosage every year. A sharp zero dosage wine with a low atmosphere of pressure, nice soft bubbles. And just before the sharpness takes over your palate, a softness comes in, even though there's no dosage, and just kind of like cleans it all up. That's that's what these wines are doing. They're absolutely wonderful. And now, and the good thing is, Francia Corta is not going to be as expensive as Champagne. Yes, it can get very expensive. There are some of the there's three or four very famous wineries that are going to be on the market, and you're going to see them when you start looking for Francia Corta. You're going to go, up. Oh, okay, there's Caldo Bosco. There's Bella Vista. You're going to find the ones that everyone knows. And you're going to pay about 40 to 80 bucks, and it goes up from there. But the thing is, this is traditional method fermentation in bottle wine. It's a sparkling wine region making wine in the traditional method. It's awesome. It's doing the same thing as champagne is doing, but it's just science. It's just making a wine, just it's a sparkling wine. They're making a sparkling wine, and they're trying, and, and, and the regimes are close to champagne but they are their own i mean they have their own they have their own minimum density the way of training their own vines max yields the pressing thing they have they have fractional pressing the lees aging is 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 its own where it's 18 months for non-vintage 30 months for vintage and 60 months for reserva and that's where things differ from champagne as well because 
Italy loves its Riserva. Oh, and for Satin, it's 24 months on the lees. So that's really it. And the thing is, if you're listening to this and like, what are you talking? This is wild. Go out there and grab some. They're really great wines. And they're great with food. All Italian wine is good for food. I mean, Italian wine and food are the same thing. (laughs) It's just Italian wine is food. Italian food is food. And if an Italian is making wine, if an Italian wine region is making wine, it's going with the local food. And it means it's built for food, always. So go out there and have fun with Francia Corta, because now you can pop a bottle and know everything about it. I'll talk to you next week. More sparkling, of course. Find Pear Keith is my Insta. Rate and review this podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. It really helps get the word out there. And now for some totally awesome credits. Wine 101 was produced, recorded, and edited by yours truly, Keith Beavers, at the Vine Pair headquarters in New York City. I want to give a big old shout out to co-founders Adam Teeter and Josh Mallon for creating Vine Pair. And I mean, big shout out to Danielle Grinberg, the art director of Vine Pair, for creating the most awesome logo for this podcast. Also, Darby Seaside for the theme song. Listen to this. And I want to thank the entire Vine Pair staff for helping me learn something new every day. See you next week. E&J Gallo Winery is excited to sponsor this episode of Vine Pair's Wine 101. Gallo always welcomes new friends to wine with an amazing wide range of favorites ranging from everyday to luxury and sparkling wines. I mean, Gallo also makes award-winning spirits, but you know, this is a wine podcast. So whether you're new to wine or an aficionado, Gallo welcomes you to wine. We look forward to serving you enjoyment in moments that matter. Cheers. Visit BarrelRoom.com today to find your next favorite, where shipping is available.